Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. Um, tonight we have a very, uh, very special guest, um, but some of you may know that we are doing a missions trip to... Mexico. I'm trying to say the city, but I can't. Oaxaca? Oaxaca. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. So hard. Jen's laughing at me because she knows. <laughs> yeah, so we are doing our first um, uh, high school missions, international missions trip. Um, we did a info meeting, uh, one info meeting, but we are doing our next info meeting on March 20. Nope, nope, March 8th. March 8th. That is this Sunday. Is it up there? What? Did we spell things wrong again? It's all right. (laughs) You know what's the most funny about these things is these graphics go through literally like five people. So we are all undereducated. So it is uh, March 8th. It's this Sunday. Um, it's after, it's in between gatherings. So at 1045, come to the academy room. And uh, just a, it's an info meeting. This is for high schoolers who are current f- freshmen through seniors, okay? So um, not incoming, but current. Um, yeah, and that's going to be, the trip is in August, but come to that info meeting. But we have the great honor and privilege today of uh, one of the uh, main leaders for the group that we're going with, Ford Edge, we're going Ford Edge, and um, we have one of their main leaders here with us tonight, and he's going to talk to us about missions. So invite Rick up to the stage, claps and snaps. Yes. Uh, Rick is a pastor in Sherwood, not super far from us. Oh, almost a so perfect close, catch. So close, so close, sorry. <laughs> um, and yeah, he works with Ford Edge, and um, he's going to talk to us about missions tonight. We're going to continue our series. So are you ready? All right, get your papers out, get your pens out. It is time to go. All right, Courtney, thank you so much. How many of you were here last week to hear Courtney's teaching? Yeah, okay, that's a good thing. Anybody catch it on the podcast? Uh, Yeah, somebody's at least combing their hair. I didn't see a full raised hand. It was an awesome teaching, and I was so glad I listened to it because in so many ways, Courtney and I are going to be seeing the same kinds of things Not exactly the same, but we're super reinforcing each other in this teaching. And tonight we're going to drill down deeper in what was her second point that she made last week. But before we do that, I just, I owe it to you to tell you a little bit about myself. First of all, I think it's crazy that I'm here teaching you. You have no idea who I am. Courtney has no idea who I am. (laughs) Cody has no idea. I could say just about anything. And I have a feeling you'd probably be unteaching all next week because what did that guy say? So it's a little crazy that I'm being trusted with like, what is this, 150 high schoolers who love Jesus and this guy's just invited to say like, whatever. So that's kind of crazy, but I'm going to try to be faithful to that invitation. I do have a friend, Jen, here. Jen is here. I work with Jen, and I'm sure that she will report me to my superior if I do say something wrong. There you are. Why are you over there and Ken is over there? You guys doing okay? Okay. <laughs> All right, all right. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but that's just awkward. Yeah, okay. I mean, no PDA is one thing, but sitting like on opposite sides of the room, like, oh my gosh. So, 
One thing I could tell you about myself briefly is I am a father and I actually love being a father. In fact, I met the woman that I ended up marrying when I was only 18. And, uh, you know, I had kind of, I was kind of Twitter, anybody a Bambi fan? You guys know what Twitter painted is? Thank you. Yes, I was kind of like, wow, she's hot. <laughs> um, in fact, I was at college. I was a freshman in college, and I was walking down the hallway, and I had a good friend to my left, and he was explaining to me what everything was. And then this young woman comes walking the other way, and literally everything went slow-mo on me. And she was walking, and she was laughing, and she threw her head back, and I was like, wow, oh my gosh. I think she's the one. Crazy thing is she was. I married her 40 years ago. But one of the things we, thank you, one of the things that we talked about early on was wanting to be, I wanted to be a dad, she wanted to be a mom. Oddly enough, I mean, that's a weird conversation, but that was what was important to us. Both of us had incredible experiences of family when we were kids, and that's all we wanted to do. We got married when we were like 19. We just quit college and said, hey, I found you, you found me, let's do this family thing. And so we quit college and we had a couple kids. It was really romantic. And then we realized this is going to get expensive. And I ought to go back to college and finish because I really need a solid career. Because if we're going to have a bunch of kids and you're going to stay home to take care of them and homeschool them, homeschoolers, yeah? Yeah, yeah all right, all right. Yeah, not saying it's the only way to go. I'm just saying it can be a good way to go, for sure. But anyway, I love being a father. I love fatherhood. I have three sons and three daughters. And you know what happens when you have that many kids and you get old? You get a lot of grandkids. I have 13 grandchildren. You know what I didn't figure out, too? If you have six kids and they all get married, you know how many kids you end up with? Can you do the math? 12, thank you, 12. 19? No, sorry, six kids marry six other people. Yeah, yeah. Don't let them do your slides. They can't add. Yeah, and you can't spell, so, uh. Yeah, oh. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Anyway, bottom line, when we have a family reunion, it's super busy. There's a lot of people there, and I have to tell you, I love it. I love it. I love it. But you know what I love about being a granddad is I get to kind of get some do-overs. Because as a dad, there were definitely things I missed. Being a young parent is dangerous. You know, in the Jewish law, the firstborn child was to be given twice the inheritance of every other child. Do you know why? It's for therapy. Because that first child just, you have this young mom and dad, and they just mess things up. So God has been super gracious, and I'm really glad that he has been. Definitely God is the best father. And no matter what father you grew up with, if you have a tough story or a sad story or an absent father story, the good news is that we all get to have God as our father. And you know what a good father is, even if you didn't have one. Because as a child, God writes it into you what it is to be good and to see have a good father and a good mother. And so God has become that for us. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful, too, that I could turn my kids over to God. Whatever I did, right and wrong, doesn't matter as much now because they belong to him. All right, tonight, back to the gospel. Uh, we are in chapter 9 
of Matthew, starting in verse 35. So I'm going to read this for you. I see you have Bibles out and open. That's fantastic. So here we go. I'm going to read the entire passage. It's short. It's only four verses. Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, their churches, essentially, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. I want you to notice how thorough, hey, look, it's up there. That's awesome. I want you to notice how thorough Jesus is. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the good news, and healing every disease and every sickness, every affliction. So amazing. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, my friends, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So as I referred to earlier, last week, Courtney talked about the right motivation, the best motivation for sharing the gospel. And what was it? What did she say? Love. Thank you. Yeah, confidently. Love. Yes, love. Absolutely. And that's where we want to go tonight is to really talk about what that love looks like and kind of where it comes from. I love, let me, let me remind you of something. When I was growing up, one of the main sources for hearing the gospel was a man named Billy Graham, who was an incredible evangelist, loved Jesus deeply. But in that season, one of the main messages I kept hearing was a message of how bad I was, which is true. I mean, we all are broken for sure. But it seemed as though step one to knowing how important the gospel is, a lot of times is condemnation or judgment, right? I mean, we say, hey, here's why you need to know that Jesus forgives sins is because you're a sinner. True fact. But how many of you know John 3.16? Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Who knows the next verse? Would you stand up and say it for us? Nice and loud? Yeah, yeah. Yes, thank you, perfect. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world. And I don't know what it is. There's something in the nature of being forgiven and being cleansed that, if we're not careful, tends to elevate us above others who have not experienced that. And I think verse 17 is there as a warning because it's easy as one who wants to share the gospel to go in the direction of condemnation to say, you're bad and you need Jesus. And again, that's not untrue, that we all need Jesus because we're broken, because we're incomplete, but that's not where Jesus begins. And I think this passage is super helpful to know where we need to begin. And so what does it say? It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them 
because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That doesn't sound like aggressively, violently bad people to me. It actually sounds like people who in a lot of ways are victims. And this is the other side of the story that I didn't grow up with. And I'm grateful that you're growing up with a different story, a story that talks about compassion and talks about love. Because not only are we sinners, but we are the victims of the sin of others. And this, to me, I believe is why God's compassion is so great and his wrath is so strong, is that we're just so good at hurting each other. And we're so good at being hurt. And Jesus' goal is to say, hey, no, let's not be that way anymore. Let's look at what he does. Harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I think one way we could say this is Jesus would say to all of you, I see you. I see you. Matthew says elsewhere in his gospel that the hair on your head is numbered. That's crazy. Like, I love my kids, but I have not numbered their hair. Right? I mean, that's knowing you on such an incredible level. And I think that's really the point. The point is not that Jesus keeps track of hair. I don't think that's important. I think the important point is he's saying, I know every detail about you. I see you. I see the changes that happen. The number of hairs on your head changes every day. So if he knows the number, he's keeping track. He's keeping track of what's going on with you. I know you. I see you. I love you that much. Harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I think in this, it's also saying about Jesus, I see your suffering. Not only do I see you, and no details about you. Not only could I write the best bio on your life, but I really know your suffering, and I know your pain. And a lot of us have suffering and have pain, and we don't let anyone know. There's actually maybe no one in your life that knows. We all have secrets, but there are no secrets with Jesus because he sees our suffering. And his answer to who you are and to how you suffer is, come follow me. Come follow me. And what I want to help you, or what I want to remind you about in, in covering this idea here, is Jesus definitely calls us to eternal life. He definitely calls us away from ultimate suffering and away from a death, away from him. But that's not the whole story at all. And when we share the gospel, we want to make sure that we don't just share that part of the story. Jesus isn't just rescuing us from a negative eternity, but he's calling us now into a new life that is a life that moves away from suffering. And a life that moves away from emptiness and away from sin. 
I want you to think about someone that you know that doesn't know Jesus. Uh, think about the person that you know who doesn't follow Jesus that you actually care the most about. And just say that name under your breath right now to yourself. Just say that name so you can hear it. What does it mean to know that person really well? How would they know that they are seen by you? What, what have you done in their life so far where they could say, actually, I know you see me? Anybody have an idea about that? Do you see that person that you named? Go ahead and actually tell me. What do you say or do with them to know that for, they, for them to know that you see them? Anybody have anything to offer? Yeah. Uh, you confide in them and they confide in you. You build a trust and a relationship that's not built on hurt or fear. Yeah. Okay. Trust. Yeah. You, you trust them with things that are personal and they trust you in the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You're with them in the hard times. So you see their suffering. You recognize when something isn't going right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What else? How is this person whose name you uttered seen by you and known by you? And how is their suffering known by you? You spend time with them. Absolutely. Yeah. What else? Yeah. Show them unravering love. Absolutely. Yeah. Part of it is that you get to know their story, right? Yeah. And all of these things that you're doing, this is what Jesus does. This is who Jesus is. You are collaborating well with Jesus and the things that you just told me. That's what he is like. Jesus' goal isn't only to be king and Lord, which it is, which is awesome. But what does he say to his disciples the night before he dies? He says, I call you friends. I call you friends. And Jesus wants to be able to say that to every human, ultimately. But Jesus will never say something insincere or shallow. He will always say things that are honest and authentic and true. But he wants to say to every human, hey, you're my friend. We're friends. It says later in the scriptures, God is not willing that any human, any human should perish. God's not willing that any human life should end with him, but he wants everyone to come to repentance, wants everyone to come to friendship, and this is what he's after. To me, this is how we know the gospel is good news. It's not only good news to say, hey, guess what? You don't have to die and be away from God. The good news is so much better than that. It's good news for right now. It's good news for today. It's good news for who you are at 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 17 years old. It's good news for you right now because you're known very, very specifically and everything about you is known and the suffering that is in your life is understood and it's Jesus' desire to take that suffering away. Let me ask you, I'm not saying obviously that the Christian life puts an end to suffering. But for you, how has suffering become less? Or are you, how are you getting over hardship in your life because you walk with Jesus? Tell me a few of the ways that Jesus helps us in suffering.
Yeah. Yeah, relying on him. And when, when is the time, if you're willing to tell me, that you couldn't rely on yourself and you relied on him? Getting overwhelmed with like school and different activities and just how to live life kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how does, I mean, legitimately, how does Jesus take that burden away from you? What does that look like? Different ways for different people, but yeah. Sure. Yeah, Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Not like the world. I give you my peace. Yeah. The scriptures say, throw everything you care about on him. Because why? He cares for you. Absolutely. Say that again. Yeah. So what's an idol for you that he's taken away? Your strength. Your physical strength. Okay. Can you tell me what that looks like? Like, what's that process? Wow, a little Jacob moment, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It seems odd that you would be thankful for that, but you're telling me that your hip out of place, that physical pain, has made you more whole. Yeah. I believe you. I believe you. Isn't God amazing? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. All right, so let's move on. One more thing I want to share with you. I'm totally lost track of time, so help me out. I'm great. We're doing fine. Okay, good. So workers, Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that there would be more workers sent out into the harvest field. I want to suggest to you that one of the best words we can use to define worker is actually the word storyteller. We could define a gospel worker in a lot of different ways, and I'm sure they would all be good and right. But I would say that the first and the most predominant definition for workers in the harvest of the gospel is simply storyteller. Is there any biblical, answer, uh, any biblical evidence for that idea? I'll give it to you if you can't think of it first, but where, where do I get an idea like that? How does Scripture validate this idea that a worker is a storyteller. Okay, you say the parables and say more. And the gospels? Yeah, totally. When he proclaimed the gospel, what did he do? Well, he just mainly told great stories. Kind of curiosity raising stories. Absolutely. Yeah. How else? What did he say to almost everyone? Um, go ahead. Garrett? What's that? No, no, please. I want to hear from you. Yeah, so there's a pattern. Jesus spoke in stories. His disciples wrote in stories. Apparently, stories is a good way to go. Absolutely. But what also did Jesus say to everyone that he healed? Go and tell everything that the Lord has done for you. Yeah. Storytellers. Absolutely. And let me suggest that one of the best ways to tell your story is in the same progression that we saw about Jesus. We saw in this passage that Jesus basically says, I see you. 
And so a great way to you tell your story is for you to say, Jesus saw me. And maybe even specifically, Jesus saw me when? So I would, I would say it like this. Jesus saw me when I was nine years old, and I really was terrified of death. My weakness as a human is fear. And I had a bunch of fears as a kid. And one of them literally was death. And that, that sounds sad for a nine-year-old, but I loved being alive. I still love being alive. And the idea of death just freaked me out. Like life would end. That sounds horrible. And so honestly, when, when I learned that life doesn't have to end, that Jesus said, I've come to bring eternal life, like that was amazingly good news. So Jesus saw me when as a child I was afraid to die. <clears throat> and he answered that. Secondly, uh, we talked about the fact that Jesus knows suffering. And so one of the ways that we can tell our story is to say, Jesus healed me in this way. In other words, going back to my own story, I was a child. He saw me when I was afraid of death, and he healed me by taking away that fear with a promise, a promise that he would be with me forever, a promise that after life, I would show up in his presence, and that he would be there and that I would be there. Jesus healed me from the fear of death. And then my response to all of that is I have chosen to say yes to the invitation to follow him. <clears throat> if Jesus can take away my biggest fear, if he can heal my deepest brokenness, then I want to go with him. Because I have a feeling he's going to repeat that process over and over and over again. So let me turn it over to you. What would you say? I, I'd love to have one of you come up here and volunteer to tell us just a little bit of your story about how he saw you and how he healed you and how you've chosen to follow him. Anybody up for that? No? I'm a little surprised. Anne? Anna, would you come up? Thank you. Please. Yeah, yeah. I'll just ask you some simple questions and then you can answer them. Are we, Cody, are we still live here? Thank you. So, is this on? Yeah? My story, I guess, of when he saw me, healed me, and I chose to follow him is when I was on um, a mission trip, and I was in the midst of extreme discomfort, and I just felt like I was at the lowest, and there was no comfort for me. Um, I felt like no one was around me to comfort. And so I came to Christ with that, and I came um, in prayer, just surrendering this was like three days into the trip, too, and I was just like, I was like already at the end of myself. So I came um, in prayer to Christ, just like giving him this extreme weight of no comfort in the middle of a country I'd never been with people I'd never met. Um, and like immediately it was just like this whole entire like weight was lifted off and I could feel um, like just like this knowingness that even in the midst of extreme discomfort, God was like always going to be there, and he was going to teach me something through that. And so through that, through the rest of the trip, I was there for two and a half more months. Um, I just chose to follow that comfort in him instead of my own comfort because it never would work out anyways. Wow, awesome. Hey, give her a hand. That was well said. 
I really want to emphasize, emphasize this one more time. I know that some of you are doing some a study in apologetics, which is fantastic. I think it's so good that we answer hard questions. Uh, not all of us are going to be able to do that. Some of us will, and that's wonderful. We all have different ways to testify about the gospel, to talk about the gospel. But the one universal way we have is the way we just now talked about. It. And I just want to encourage you to find a lot of courage in that. Uh, you talked about last time, Courtney, that we are not ashamed of the gospel. And I would say the thing we're the least ashamed of is the wonderful story that Jesus gave me. And that's a story that nobody can argue with. They can't tell you it didn't happen. They can't say that your feelings are not legitimate. They can't say that Jesus hasn't meant a lot to you. That No one can take that away and no one can argue with it. And I would suggest to you it's the most solid way that you have to share the gospel. And I would encourage you, if you haven't already, and probably some of you have, Take some time to consider how, how your story goes. How can you tell your story briefly and easily without stumbling? How can you answer the question, when did Jesus see me? How did he rescue me from my suffering and why am I now following him? Just a simple little story to go through, but to validate this reality that Jesus sees us, that he heals us from our suffering, and that we then in response want to go with him to follow after him. Yeah? Can I pray for you guys? Did I do okay? Do we need to undo anything? We're good. Okay. Thank you for trusting me tonight. I appreciate that. Would you stand? And uh, let me pray for you, and then Matt will come and lead us into worship again. Unless, Courtney, do you have anything else? We're good? Great. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> By the way, pray for Matt. He plays his guitar backwards. Max, pray for Rick that he gets names right. <clears throat> but pray for Max because he does it backwards. <laughs> Our Father, um, you are a good, good dad, and we are grateful for that. We thank you that in a crowd of such young souls, that, that is a reality already. And God, I praise you for the tender hearts here that know what a good father you are. Jesus, thank you that you do see each one of these students, even if they're not seen by friends or even family, that you see them all the time. You see them in the good moments and you see them in the tough ones. You see them in the light. You see them in the dark. And you know the suffering. You know the pain. You know the confusion. You know the anger. You know the fear. You know it all. And your response is open arms. Your response is, come to me. Come to me, all of you who are tired and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus, you are such a compassionate Savior, and we praise you for that. We receive your compassion. We pray, God, help us to tell our story well, the good news of your love for us. Thank you for it all. In the name of Jesus, amen.